BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. The just approved American Rescue Plan includes around $1.7 billion for struggling public Bay Area transit agencies. The pandemic has forced agencies like BART and Muni to cut service. The new funds help avoid further service cuts and also massive layoffs. We'll hear how the agencies are likely to use the funds and whether there'll be enough to reverse a massive ridership and budgetary crisis in the region's public transit scene. Joining us now to talk about it is KQED's Dan Brecky. Dan, I I guess it can't be said enough. Federal funds have really kept a lot of these agencies afloat this past year. Well, it's really true. Um, What we see is drastically cut back service for a lot of the agencies. And, um, you know, for instance, BART, we've almost gotten used to the fact that BART, which used to run from 5 a.m. to about 1 a.m. every day, 16 hours a day, or I'm sorry, 20 hours a day, has gone back to uh, uh, something that opens at eight in the morning and and then uh, shuts down at nine at night. And, um, you know, without the federal funds, uh, which have been, you know, uh, flowing in unprecedented amounts over the last year, um, we wouldn't even see that much service. And that's pretty much true throughout the Bay Area and and really through, throughout the country in, in every big city in the country. We're talking about a new uh, stimulus fund package going to Bay Area transit agencies with Dan Brecky, KQED editor and reporter. What are your questions? I'm throwing it open right away because, of course, we've just got till the top of the hour. So give us a call now at 866-733-6786. Once again, that's 866-733-6786. You can also email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Dan, what do you say to people? listening to this who are thinking there's no way I'm coming back on to public transit, either because I'm unhappy with the service uh, during the uh, pandemic, before the pandemic. Uh, so, so really, all this money is just going into a black hole. It's merely postponing a day of reckoning for public transit in the Bay Area. Well, what do I say? Um <laughs> Well, well, listen, you know, the, the future is always hard to predict, but what's immediately in front of people's uh, eyes is what sort of uh, dominates their thinking about what they'll be doing today and tomorrow. OK, I, I suppose that's obvious, but things are changing. Um, we have uh, 
we have a vaccine rollout, for instance, and that is creating the possibility uh, of getting back to, you know, I hate to use the term, some form of normal. And people's perceptions are going to change when they're able to go back out again. And uh, when offices reopen, the city of San Francisco is starting to talk about under what conditions offices would be reopened at at some capacity, probably 25% capacity to begin with. And so, you know, like I say, it's a game of perceptions. And we have, this is a really, really long game we're we're looking at now too, because a a year ago, as the transit agencies and and everywhere else in society started to look forward to what, you know, the, the pandemic was going to be like, what they were going to have to do, they started to project things like maybe you could get back to normal in terms of ridership uh, by 2022, 2023. And now I think everybody has had a dose of reality and they see see that a lot of people, as you say, are going to be reluctant. And so those dates have been pushed out. Um, I think Bart is saying that under the best case, they could get back to 2019 ridership and maybe 2026, 27, somewhere in there. And so, yes, it's it's investing, the money that's being spent now is investing in a service that I think the, the people in the agencies and the people who plan uh, the future of the Bay Area, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, Association of Bay Area Governments, and the, the state legislature uh, believe will be crucial to the future of the region and for achieving goals like uh, reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, we can't put a bunch of cars back on the road to keep people going to work. Well, along those lines, let's get caller Sandy in San Francisco up next. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you for this discussion. You know, what you just said about we can't have um, people getting back in their cars It seems that we need to make for the years since we are getting this federal money, public transportation free. So I live in San Francisco, and I think that, you know, people who are uh, low-income wage workers, et cetera, or on very fixed incomes, they can't afford transportation, public transportation right now even. So what about the idea of making it free for a year? Well, listen, that's a, a, a great point, and that's a discussion that is probably in its beginning stages. I mean, there's a certain funding model uh, for most of public transit that is a combination of, of fair revenue. Um, you know, you pay your 250 or 3 bucks, or on BART, uh, it's, it's something more, Caltrain even more. You pay that, and and that goes to support the service along with uh, certain kinds of uh, tax revenues and and grants and and that kind of thing. Um, It would require a recalculation um, on a societal level of of what this is worth. And not to say that it's impossible. I mean, we've been pushed into a, a situation now where we have to consider lots of things that we didn't consider before. I mean, uh, there's been a discussion about uh, whether, you know, the best thing in terms of achieving climate goals, for instance, is to have people work from home if they can't, period. Um, I, I think uh, people feel like, at least for the time being, in the coming decades, that's not a good idea. 
um, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I think that th this discussion is starting to happen about whether transit uh, on some level should be free. In the, in the interim, where we are now is uh, Bay Area transit agencies are uh, with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission have embarked on a program to try to make transit more affordable to lower income and essential workers. Uh, Joel tweets, so they're just going to put all that cash in a pile and burn it. It didn't appear they were doing much with their cash before the pandemic. You know, Dan, you see a lot of comments online, especially uh, about public transit in this vein. But in a sense, it kind of tars all the agencies with the same brush. Well, you know, I don't hear the same comments about highway spending. That, that amounts to uh, pushing all the cash that goes into highway maintenance and highway construction into a big pile and burning it. Um, you know, some people might say that that's a more apt description of what highway funding is about because um, th that's contributing to um, the, the burning up of the planet. Um, I'm not saying that necessarily right now, but I'm just saying that that's a counter argument. Listen, the, the, the service that's being provided um, in, in some ways has co come into much sharper relief um, during the pandemic and, and a couple of dramatic things. I mean, San Francisco Muni, for instance, has discovered the degree to which essential workers and lower income workers really depend on their service. Uh, th those are the people who are really showing up and, and Muni has been challenged to serve them, you know, by diverting service into uh, the most trafficked, uh, the, the busiest corridors and trying to put enough service on, on the road so that buses aren't too crowded and people aren't being passed up all the time. AC Transit in the East Bay, here's a shocking uh, statistic uh, that I had been looking at but didn't dawn on me until Randy Rentschler from the MTC uh, talked to me yesterday. Um, AC Transit, which used to carry less than half the passengers BART does on a daily basis, is now carrying more passengers than BART does. And that points to the importance of bus services um, that are going where people live. That Those are the most accessible services, and they truly are essential. So I would dispute the, the basic uh, uh, notion there that uh, spending money on transit has been, has been wasted uh, ever. And we should also point out, you know, that this package includes money for some very specific capital infrastructure projects that are quite exciting to public transit riders, like $52 million for Caltrain electrification, $87 million for, for BART's Transbay Corridor Core Capacity Program, $23 million for the Central Subway. I mean, it's, it's not just this giant black hole. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that those things excite you, Rachel. Um, <laughs> some people might have a, have a hard time envisioning what those are. But yes, Caltrain has a, a, a very ambitious electrification program that's, you know, that's been fully funded. Uh, they are manufacturing their new train cars already. Um, that is a major improvement people are going to see on Caltrain within a, within a a short time in the next couple of years. Um, you know, BART has a longer term project to uh, make it possible to put a lot more cars through the Transbay tube uh, in a shorter amount of time that will increase their capacity. Um, and then the Central Subway is a saga that, uh, you know, sometimes you don't think you'll ever see the end of, but yes, that's coming as well. But, you know, 
like I say, I mean, there are concrete benefits to this, uh, to, to public transit and to the emergency funding that's, that's come out in the last year. Four billion, by the way, to the Bay Area has been approved just in the last year. And, um, and, and I think we're going to see the, see the benefits of that and depend on those benefits in the years to come. Let's take another call and go to Marie in Oakland. Hi, um, I was taking us back a little bit. I'm sorry to the black hole burning money problem. And I just wanted to be a little more specific. Usually when we talk about cutting funding, we're talking about lots of layoffs. And in the current labor market, that um, is probably just means people are on unemployment. So aside from the, hum, you know, the, issue, the humane issues, also, I mean, the funding is going to come from somewhere one way or another. And instead of adding in the inefficiency of laying everyone off and then hiring them back in fits and starts over the next few years, it seems like keeping the funding where it is, keeping people in the jobs with the health care that they have is important these days. Thank you. You know, I, I listen, that's a great point. And that point has been made explicitly by um, board members for some of these transit agencies like Muni and BART over the last year and, and the agency management as well. They want to maintain staffing levels so that they don't have to rebuild. And it is very difficult to, to rebuild. Um, in BART's case, uh, they've been able to shift a large number of their workers from operations, you know, the day-to-day -day, uh, activities of the agency to longer-term uh, capital uh, projects. At the same time, there is some thought uh, at BART and some of the other agencies about, you know, about right-sizing. I mean, maybe there is an opportunity here to get early retirements. Um, and that kind of thing that will reduce some of their uh, personnel costs. But but this is an excellent point. Richard asks a question that uh, you'll be pleased, Dan, uh, is uh, close to my heart. What is the status of the BART extension to downtown San Jose? Uh, I believe that didn't make the cut, right, in this particular bill because of well, Republican protest? Well, there, there was a there was $140 million in funding that was part of a pilot project that was supposed to attract local funding for, for part of that um, for part of that extension. It's a very expensive project. Uh, the one number I saw just this morning when I was looking through things was 6.9 billion. Um, it looks like this is something that we won't see built until around 2030, 31. But um, it's it's a really long-term commitment on both the part of Santa Clara County, uh, the uh, Valley Transportation Authority down there, and and BART to get this done. So that's coming. Um, I wish I, I had better news, and it's uh, it's going to take a decade, uh, another decade to do. But that that seems to be the the shape of it. Yeah. It'd be nice to figure out a way of uh, accelerating time. <laughs> or construction, or construction pro projects, and just make it happen so we could ride tomorrow. Yeah, magic wands for public transit. That's what we should be asking uh, from our federal lawmakers. I think we have time for at least one more phone call. Chris in Oakland. Yes, um, this is Chris in Oakland. Hi, Dan. Um, hey, Chris. I think it's very important to distinguish between systems that are primarily for commuting, like the rail systems, the ferry systems, where they're taking people from suburbs to central business districts, and ordinary bus transit that's taking people to, to school, to work, to doctor's appointments, 
the the bus systems tend to transport a lot more essential workers and a lot more people who don't have alternatives. They don't have a car. They don't live out in the suburbs and and have a car, and so long as the freeways are are fairly empty, they can um, drive. So that's an important distinction to make. Agreed. And um, it, it's interesting to see, actually, that, you know, Muni in San Francisco, uh, which is primarily a bus system in terms of the number of people they, they carry every day historically, has actually, I, I think they're the number one recipient of, uh, of these emergency funds over the, over the last year. Uh, as I said, AC Transit, um, you know, has also done pretty well in terms of their allocations of this funding. And, and another thing about AC Transit, um, their ridership is off a little less than, uh, or substantially less in, ter- in percentage terms than um, than a lot of agencies. And I think that speaks to the fact that they are serving a population that uh, largely really needs to have a bus to get around. Along similar lines, and thank you for that uh, comment, Chris, Jessica tweets, I'm relieved to hear our transit agencies are getting support. I am visually impaired and rely on transit. I've been deeply concerned about the future of transit post-pandemic and whether I'd continue to be able to live here independently. Thor writes, drivers who think BART does not benefit them should remember back to the BART strike about a decade ago, the entire freeway system in the Bay Area was completely gridlocked. Uh, it's a good point there, Dan. I mean, you know, this is this is not just about transit riders. It is also about people in their cars. It, there is a holistic way of thinking about this, and that's an important point. Uh, where, how would those people on BART get to work if, if they weren't on the train? Most of them would be in cars. I mean, uh, well, well over half of people drive solo already in the Bay Area. You know, that number has come down a tiny little bit over the decades. But, I mean, th- this is something that has to be addressed. And, you know, as to um, the, the, the first comment you read there uh, from our, our visually impaired listener, um, I, I would also just say that, you know, this emergency funding isn't the end. These agencies, uh, large and small, are going to have challenges in the uh, in the decade to come. Uh, we don't know exactly what the shape of transit is going to be. We don't know how many people are going to return to work. And they are going to have to do a lot of things to uh, reassure riders, uh, uh, try to make them feel safe uh, riding on public transit again, and you know, in some cases like Muni, um, there are long-term deficits that aren't going to go away with this emergency funding that they're going to have to figure out ways of, of dealing with in the future. Well, Dan, KQED editor and reporter focused on public transportation and really transportation generally. As always, it is such a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, yeah, hang in there. Dan Brecky reporting that public transit is not headed into a death spiral necessarily, at least now that we have a great deal of federal funding coming our way. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Another hour of Forum is next with Mina Kim. So stay with us.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.